0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Stu Friedman. Hey, welcome to Work and Life, a conversation in which we explore all those things And there are many. Related to work and the rest of your life, your family, your community, our society, and your private self, what's inside that makes you distinctive? Your emotional makeup, your intellectual growth and interests, your spiritual growth. How do you bring all those pieces together in a way that works for you and the world around you? I'm Stu Friedman. I'm your host. I'm founding director of the Wharton School's Work-Life Integration Project, our leadership program. And uh, I've written a couple of books and other stuff on this topic, which you can find out more about at totalleadership.org. Tonight, I am really excited that you are listening and uh, that my guest is with us. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about, well, you've heard it before. Follow your passion. Think positive. Be authentic. Take risks. Network. This is what you hear when you ask for career advice. Well, what happens if you're a young millennial woman especially and things don't go the way you want them to go in spite of all the productive work and positive thinking and networking that you've been doing? My guest tonight has interviewed rising leaders from 120 companies and asked them how they handled such work challenges. And the result is a wonderful new book that addresses... Issues like bouncing back from poor performance reviews, recovering from a big career mistake, knowing when it's time to look for another job, one that might fit better in the context of your whole life. I am delighted to be speaking tonight with Joanna Barsh. She has written a book called Grow Wherever You Work. What a wonderful title, Grow Wherever You Work, Straight Talk to Help You with Your Toughest Challenges. But before we begin our conversation with Joanna Barsh, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She is a Director Emerita at McKinsey and Company and President of the Centered Leadership Project. She's also a Penn alumna. Yeah. (laughs) Of which we are very proud. Uh, She has Lots of experience leading growth strategy, performance improvement, organizational effectiveness, and leadership development projects. She's an in-demand speaker. She's given keynotes and workshops in over 100 companies and organizations. She's also worked closely with uh, Lean In, the International Council of Women's Business Leadership, and other groups as an advocate for women's advancement. She's the best-selling author of two previous books, which we're going to talk a little bit about, One is called How Remarkable Women Lead, and the other is called Centered Leadership. Joanna. Yeah. Welcome to Work and Life. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you. It's great to uh, be there by phone. I'm in sunny Tucson.
1: You're in sunny Tucson? Well, I am in beautiful West Philadelphia uh, (laughs) on the, the wonderful campus of the University of Pennsylvania where you went to school.
0: Yes, and I loved it i got to say.
1: What did you study when you were here?
0: I studied English literature and fine arts. I know that's not your typical career uh, booster, uh, but it's what I had wanted to do at the time. And as you know, the 1970s were the time when you did what you wanted to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I went to college in the 70s, and I was an English and psychology major. And here I am, a professor at the the business school for the last 30, almost five years, Uh, our our careers take us in directions that we might not always anticipate, don't they?
0: They do. And in in fact, uh, zigging and zagging is one of the most important things that uh, you can do as a young person. And I think a lot of millennials are doing it.
1: Well, let's talk about that. Um, You've had a long and successful career doing research on, on leadership and success and then helping others to lead and to succeed. And you've also been uh, a keen observer of how women in particular can thrive at work so before though we get into your latest book on on grow wherever you work straight talk to help you to help with your toughest challenges grow wherever you work such an important idea captured really succinctly I, i'd like to just spend a minute on your earlier work how remarkable women lead especially in the times that we are living in right now Sure. You know, it's a remarkable time. uh, As you know, just last year at the inauguration and immediately after, we had women marching en masse in Washington. uh, Now, speaking up as the Me Too movement and the reckoning that has that has you know in in its wake has has really changed the the nature of relationships uh, of men and women in the workplace. What do you see happening right now for women at work?
0: Yeah. So I think a couple of things are going on. Number one, we have reached the end of an S-curve. What that means is that companies have become aware of the need to advance women Uh, The country has become aware of the mismatch pay, pay inequality, of the issues that are holding women back at work. And yet women are at work in record numbers. Mm -hmm. And in fact, women are graduating, as you know, college and grad schools in record numbers Mm -hmm. and entering the workforce. So all of that has been going on for the last 10, 20, 30 years. And we've got to where we've got, which is essentially the middle of the talent pipeline.
1: So explain what you mean, though, by the end of the S-curve. What is yeah, that? So Translate an that S-curve, for listeners. Yeah. Um,
0: a short digression. An S-curve is uh, what happens when companies innovate and make something new come to market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fantastic and it's new and there's meteoric growth and, you know, rah, rah, rah. Everybody's excited. And then, boom, everything levels off. And you kind of go, well, I had it in red, and now I made it in blue, and I got 2% more sales, but what do I do next? Mm -hmm. And after a while, if you don't innovate again, you start to decline. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we are. That's the first factor that we've been innovating, and women have, in fact, been doing amazing things, as have companies, to try to help women advance at work. The second thing that's happening is we are living in an age of disruption. We're living... In a time, and I'm not even going to be political about this, whether you're red or blue, we're living in a time where people say what they want to say. And some of it is raw. Some of it's not right for polite society or for any society. Uh, But that's what's happening. And in the context of that, women are starting finally to come together to say, Mm -hmm. we can be a force. We can be a block. We can make things happen. We have agency. And gosh, it's really exciting. It's liberating when women come together to do something like run for office, for mm-hmm. political office.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is happening in greater numbers now.
2: It is.
0: Uh,
1: so where, where do you see things going uh, now I, I think for the that, next you know, couple it, of years? It
0: could be good. It could be bad, too. But I actually, I'm an optimist. I think it's going to be good. Uh, And uh, there is going to be a little bit of up and down, and people are going to feel awful for a while, and there even could be uh, greater disruption that we are not even aware of around the corner. But in general, I think there are going to be breakthroughs at work for women and for leaders to behave more like centered leaders, for leaders to be more aware of the long term to start to take better care of their customers their employees their whole ecosystem not just their shareholders they're going to mm-hmm. be leaders who are more in touch with the humanity of the organization and that's a big shift that happened with women coming into power mm-hmm. not that women are any better at men than being humanists
2: mm-hmm. but
0: that women were bringing in large number. New criteria, new characteristics to leadership, like wanting to have meaning. Mm-hmm. All millennials, all human beings, want to have meaning at work. They just, a lot of older people said, "I'm not going to get it here," so that's okay. It's a game. Women don't see it as a game because it's really important to have purpose.
1: Well, now, you as you said, and as as uh, my research and what a lot of other people have have observed, and what we've talked quite a bit on the show about over the last few years is that both young men and women are um, striving for work that is indeed meaningful in terms of its positive impact on our on, on helping to heal our broken world uh, and and to create to create real real social value
0: agreed and the interviews with young men under the age of 40 let's call it um, totally supports that point mm-hmm S- What's, what's even, I think, more uh, important is facing emotion and recognizing the power that emotion plays at work. Mm-hmm. So fear runs through a company like a contagion, like the flu. And so does happiness and love. And creativity innovation need people to feel open and comfortable and happy in order for them to take the risk to put a new idea out there. So If companies want to grow, they need leaders who are more cognizant of the emotions that their people are feeling and also that they themselves are feeling. That, to me, is a big change that women have also brought to work.
1: For sure. And if we could just stay on what is so current in the conversation today about what is largely referred to as the reckoning, the 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 coming to grips with the abuses of power that uh that men have um have have used uh against women in sexual harassment and oppression in and in, in various forms that that is no longer acceptable and it is being called out and is and 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 men are paying the price how and this is Uh, in in some ways, the fruition of of those trends that you were just describing.
2: So if
0: if you take a step back, abuse of power is essentially tied to thinking that work is a zero-sum game, a competition Mm -hmm. in which I have to win at any cost. And when I do win, that means I must be better than everybody else because I have won. And indeed, when you shift from competition winner take all Mm -hmm. to more of a cooperative collaborative more feminine kind of environment both men and women uh, benefit it's not just women who are being abused The men are being abused differently Mm -hmm. the women are being abused in an unconscionable way but men are also being put down and made to feel small and worthless. And that's, you know, a form of what Professor Bob Sutton calls certified assholes. So certified asshole mm-hmm. behavior is just a cleaner version of a sexual abuse harasser.
1: Yes. And Bob has been on the show. We've, we've talked about his uh, remarkable work and his uh, great advice for how to, how to deal uh, in a world where there are assholes out there who are abusive Uh, both men and women, and and men and women suffering uh, as a result of that.
0: I think it's chapter six in the book, is basically what do you do when you're working with, and my publisher made me call it an office villain, but we're talking about abusers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and awful people, but also creeps and jerks. Mm -hmm. The more benign form of this, which is you're working with a colleague who has sharp elbows and, you know, he or she drains your energy, and suddenly you don't even want to be there anymore because the person is just a jerk. And what do you do about it?
1: Well, so, so what, religions... what's your take on that? And then I want to step back and get some of the, uh, the origins of, of this research and what, what led you to it. But, sure. But, but... So my
0: take on it is is first to, the first thing you need to do is be self-aware. You need to understand what's happening to you and why something is being triggered in you. Because there are jerks and there are abusers, and there really is a difference between the two. A jerk is probably difference? a regular human being most days of the week, and is just having a bad day, a bad week, or essentially a bad marriage. <laughs> so you you have to know the difference. The second thing you have to do is recognize whether that's a human being that you're learning from and can work, can work with, can actually have impact with, or whether this is absolutely not the case and your life is just becoming smaller and darker mm. if that's the case then withdraw
1: withdraw, withdraw
0: by horizontal moves out mm-hmm. of the area that you're working in mm-hmm. or if you have to finally be ready to quit and then call it, call it call it when you go to hr you may find they're not on your side That's the awful reality of a lot of workplaces where HR is protecting the interests of the company. Mm -hmm. And they may not, in fact, be your interests in this particular situation. So you do need to find your own allies, get your own support network together. And when you do that, you may find that you can fix the situation at work for yourself and others, or you can't. And if you can't, then it's time to leave.
1: So do you think – and that indeed echoes what what Sutton – uh, w- would advise for sure. So, um, and, and it, it sometimes is the, the path that one has to take to simply retreat. If, if, uh, if you can't change the it's, situation, it's, you have to leave yeah, I it. I
0: think It's a really good path. And I have to say when I was 25, I was working in retail for a boss who was a sadist. And I, for, for a year and a half, I uh, was working there, and I had a bloody nose almost every day at a different time. An actual bloody
1: nose being from, like, internally. Uh, from the
0: stress. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I would just be serving a customer or changing the inventory, and then, boom, bloody nose. And so I didn't quit. I didn't quit, and that was the wrong thing for me to do. I stuck it out, left. and this woman took great so pleasure. So why'd you stay why did I stay? Because nobody said to me that quitting was an option. Uh-huh. I didn't even think it was an option because you know what, you, what we were raised with, don't be a quitter. Mm-hmm. So I assumed it was failure to walk out of there. But I ultimately mm-hmm. had a mentor, went to see him, mm-hmm. and he said, I'm getting you transferred. This is enough, it's
2: enough. Mm-hmm. So you had and I got so transferred to yet. another
0: department, which was delightful. And after that, I went to business school because that was the way that I could figure out how to get out of the situation altogether, forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Today, I think if you read this chapter, you come to recognize that quitting is not about being a loser or a failure or a quitter. Quitting is about protecting yourself Mm -hmm. and creating a situation where you can learn and grow and contribute more.
1: I am speaking with Joanna Barsh, who is the author of a wonderful book called Grow Wherever You Work, Straight Talk to Help You Uh, to help with your toughest challenges. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio at Sirius XM 111. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. And in the second part of our show, we're going to be taking your calls about what it means for you to grow wherever you are and the challenges that you might be facing in trying to do that. The number is 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. So, Joanna, uh, why did you write this book, The cap of your trilogy, if I can call it that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's not a, Lord of the
1: Rings, yeah, but it is It a is very, a trilogy. There's
0: a very, clear reason I wrote this book. And it is that I had spent over 10 years talking to CEOs, uh, starting with women. Uh, the first couple hundred interviews were with women and then men, and understanding what it's like to get to the top, be at the top, lead an organization. And then when I turned to the youngest men and women at McKinsey and primarily women they said to me i can't see the path from here where i sit to where they are and mm-hmm. in fact when i look at them i don't even want to be like them
1: wait I so mean, that's two separate know, things uh, right so they can't see the path what, like why not you know what jobs this person had so why can't you see the path like what what yeah, was so what they, was blind so What were A, they blind the world to has
0: changed. i'm sorry A, the world changed mm. so this path that this man or woman took to get to be ceo no longer exists Mm -hmm. there isn't job security in my company i can't really just put my head down for the next 25 years and then show back up as a ceo i don't really like the politics i learned and a lot of young people said i don't even have passion for this and i don't know how to get passion about this and i thought long and hard and said, let's not just assume that everybody walks around with passion all the time. In fact, that might be a bad piece of advice to say to people, follow your heart. What does that really mean? Hmm. For my own kids who are millennials, who are pondering this topic as we speak,
1: Mm -hmm. I've got three who are 30, 27 and 24 as well. I'm sorry, uh, I was just echoing that I have three who are uh, 30, 27, and, and 24, so I, I can relate. Yeah. Uh, so so you, were, you wrote this for your, your children?
0: I did, and for the two, over 200 young people who I interviewed <laughs> who are fantastic human beings.
1: So you were saying, though, that they, uh, they were questioning, well, what if I don't have passion? What, what does that mean for me? Yeah. And, and what, you know, what did you discover about do that?
0: How do I go? How do I get passion? Mm. Like, can I buy it? You know, where, where do people get it?
1: Isn't there an app for that?
0: <laughs> is there an app for that? Exactly. But, but
1: seriously, what, what did you discover about how people deal with the question of, I don't really feel passionate about what it is that I'm pursuing here. What do I do now when I'm being told I must feel passionate?
0: So the first thing is chill because uh, nobody at work has a right to say to you you know put some more flair on and let's have a smile on your face and show up with passion but they do expect to see sparkle in your eye and fire in your belly to do good work Mm -hmm. so if you can't do that then we're back to the first point which is should i stay or should i go but let's assume you can you actually are getting skills you're learning something you're making a contribution you don't really give a damn about it though So what I do suggest people do in that case, and I actually practice on my daughters, is to go back into your life, uh, as young as you have to go, five, six years old, and really remember times where you were filled with positive energy. When you put your finger on those times, you literally play the memory. And ask yourself, what is it I truly value about myself in this moment? Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is that that positive energy and what you value is the beginning of passion, which is your strength. Mm -hmm. So take that and treasure it. Mm -hmm. You have a strength. You have many strengths. And if you're not bringing those to work every day, it's pretty hard to feel energized about anything. So start to bring those to work every day.
1: You know, Take I was a small uh, step in
0: that direction. I,
1: I just came from my class, the opening class of my total leadership course here at the Wharton School, which is an elective for our MBAs, and uh-huh. uh, spent half the class on the very thing that you just described, where people had written about uh, the critical episodes in their life histories and how those shaped their values and beliefs, and then they described those episodes or those aspects of their history and and how they learn from those events and uh and and uh the people in them what really mattered to them and exactly. it was exactly. really it's a, it's such a riveting uh series of um, displays from these 27-year-olds to each other about how different they all are how everyone comes at you know the game of life from a different point of view with different experiences, but that everyone has a story that taps ultimately into something that is core to them and and that it's possible to unearth it it's just you have to do the work of getting there
0: I love that, and it it actually means that each of your students inspired the next one exactly. people are so much more inspiring when they're clued into who they truly are and what matters to them, and that's actually the beginning of the journey towards purpose mm-hmm. As you know,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, we'll also ask people to do what I do, which is to interview everybody and anybody about what turns them on about work. Hmm. Because you may not see it yourself, but you can see it in other people. And that might give you ideas. And there's nothing wrong with just going on a journey to meet another 60 to 100 people to find out what gets them excited to go to work.
1: That's a great idea. What do people discover when they, when they go on those uh, so learning there's, journeys.
0: There's uh, one woman, uh, and she wanted the disguise name, Sophie, I think I called her, okay. in the book, in the first chapter, she ended up saying, oh, my God, I'm in finance, but I want to be a broadcast journalist. Easy. And I don't mind not making money and <laughs> traveling all the time and all the hardship that comes with that, uh-huh. because it truly, truly excites me. She literally shifted careers. Six, You know, a bunch of interviews later. It took her six months of hard work to find the job. It took her a few months to convince them to give her the job. And then it took a year or two to convince them that she was really worth her medal. And she's insanely happy. That's, a, that's one of those, you know, one in a thousand stories. Most people sort of bumble their way here and there into it. And it can take years. Mm-hmm. I You know, I started being in retail because my mother was a painter turned uh, clothing designer and I didn't know what to do with an English degree, went to business school and everybody at business school was trying to become a consultant, which I had no clue what that meant.
1: Hmm. So, so you I spent 30 years at McKinsey.
0: Yeah. 30 <laughs> years later, I said, hmm, this is a pretty good job for me.
1: So how did, <laughs> how did you get from, from from there to there?
0: How did I get from where to where?
1: Well, from English major, no clue, to uh, business school, and and uh, a, a, a fruitful life and career in the world of consulting.
0: I was really lucky. I list. I ask a lot of questions and listen to a lot of people. And in this case, what you
1: advise your your <laughs> yeah. your, your people yeah. coming up after you to do?
0: I better take At, my own medicine. If well, not, you did it. And who who am I really? Just who am another shaman. The. Um, mm-hmm or I should have said tonic salesman, the, um, my stepfather said to me when I was in my mid-20s, I was pretty unhappy, and he said, well, why don't you go to business school? And I said, what's that? Mm-hmm. This was, you know, 1978, 79. He said, you should go to business school. Look into it. So I looked into it, and I got in, and I went, and I had no clue the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really interesting. I was really interested in business, but not a specific business. I was interested in all the ideas and all of the challenges and all the problems and the mishaps. And it was like reading Jane Austen. It was <laughs> the same thing. I don't know if you feel that way, but every business case was another, a new story for me. A drama. And half the time, I couldn't even do the analysis because I didn't know the math, well, but I did know the people and I could come to an answer by by developing intuition. So I have...
1: Well, you I have used okay your strengths, math
0: skills, and an extraordinary intuition.
1: You, you used your strengths. You were able to yeah. uh, to to focus on on well. Dare I and say, I married you, a
0: mathematician, which was not a bad idea.
1: But you, you you tapped into what some people might call your passion, Joanna.
0: <laughs> right, unknowingly.
1: <laughs> right, but but you you got there.
0: Yes, everybody who wants to get there will get there in the end. My calling. Truly, which only began in 2004, and I'm still at it, is to help women and now millennial men and women step into leadership. Because I truly believe that if you put the right people in the lead, then the rest will get better. And you mentioned at the start of this show, you know, there's, the world is broken. We need people willing and able to fix it.
2: We sure do. And it
0: turns out that I'm really a teacher. I am not the okay. leader In that sense, I'm Mm -hmm. a thought leader, Mm
2: -hmm. and I
0: have to accept my limitations, but also I have to be bold and courageous enough to go with what I meant to do. And that is to uh, to be bold. I was just in the United Arab Emirates speaking to men and women about women leaders. hmm. I was in Saudi Arabia a few years ago telling a bunch of princes that women needed to drive. And look.
1: Hey, (laughs) so you made it happen. Hey, Joanna, uh, we're nearing the end of the first half of the show. I'm wondering, uh, would it be possible for you to stay on in the second half and uh, continue the conversation with me and perhaps with a couple of our listeners? Sure. All right. Thank you. That's great. Uh, So hang on. Uh, It's Joanna Barsh, who is my guest this evening, and we're talking about her research and the practical wisdom that flowed from it in her wonderful new book, Grow Wherever You Work. Uh, so don't go away, folks. When we come back, we'll be taking your calls at 844-WHARTON. That's 844 942 How can you grow wherever you work? What does it take for you, especially if you're in your 20s or so, to step into leadership in this modern, fractious world that we live in? The number again, 844 942 I am Stu Friedman. This is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Stay with us. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Professor Stu Friedman. Hey, welcome back to Work and Life. So glad you're listening. I am Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and the Wharton Leadership Program, and I'm speaking with... Joanna Barsh, thought leader and author of Grow Wherever You Work, straight talk to help with your toughest challenges. And we want to hear from you. So give us a call at 844-942-7866. That's 844-WHARTON. We're talking about a number of different uh, career challenges that especially young people face. Uh, Perhaps you're wandering around, and maybe you're not lost, but you're wandering because all, not all who wander are lost. The very first part of the very first chapter of Grow Wherever You Work. And and you're looking for something better. Uh, Joanna Barsh uh, will help you. Uh, and I might be able to chime in as well on, on that challenge if that's one that you are currently facing. Or what does it mean for you to try Uh, and bump up against whatever it is that's in front of you as you're stepping up and wanting to step up into leadership as a a young person uh, coming into her own. The number, again, is 844-9472. That's 844-WHARTON. So, Joanna, uh, thanks for staying on. Yeah. Um, First, why did you call the book what you called it?
0: (laughs) Thanks for asking. The, the original title of this book, if I can say it on your air, is No Bullshit. And oh, dear. I wanted to write oh, a book. You've,
1: you've offended my sensibilities,
0: Joanna. <laughs> I wanted to write a book that had no bullshit, meaning uh-huh. no cute hallmark sayings, no follow your heart, no uh, advice that you know parents and grandparents give us and we don't want to hear it. I wanted honest talk. And it took me a very long time because the publisher said, nah, we're not going to use that title, sorry about that. Mm. So it took a a while for me to find the answer, and through all of the interviews, I mined data from over 200 interviews with rising leaders under the age of 40, and then another over 50 interviews with HR experts, Uh and what I learned is that young people want to grow. They don't want those stupid words like opportunity and, you know, fake words that we've all overused. They just want to grow. So don't tell me that there's a development path here. I don't know what you mean by that. I also don't trust that you're going to actually deliver to me. Mm -hmm. But I deserve, I have a right to grow. And that's what I want. So that's the first part of the book. And then the second part of the book is wherever you work, because I know the truth is, you're probably not going to stay at your job for 10 or 15 years. Some of you will, but the odds are you won't Mm -hmm. because you won't get the growth that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. The company may not have the opportunity that you deserve, even though you're making a great contribution. So wherever you work, you should be able to
1: grow. All right. And that's, of course, true for anybody at any life or career stage. But it's a particular interest, a burning question for young people and a necessary one for them to be asking. So what did you discover? What are the essential ideas or principles, the no bullshit, Joanna, about what it is uh, for someone to grow wherever they are working?
0: Yeah. So the first The first insight, which kind of hits you on the side of the head, and I bet you teach this in your class, is Mm -hmm. Uh, self-awareness. The reason there is no advice that fits everybody is that we're all different, and we're different in pretty important ways. So Mm -hmm. knowing knowing yourself, the the good, the bad, the ugly, without judgment. So a lot of people are pretty self-aware and they spend every day striving for perfection or shaming themselves and feeling guilty because they didn't work hard enough or they didn't get a good enough grade or they didn't uh, beat out the other person at work. And that part has to stop. That's really hard to stop. So, How
1: do you help people to stop that? Because that is indeed I mean, again, that was half the conversation in my cl- my opening class today is, uh-huh. is an awareness that everyone's different, which was the mantra in our house raising uh, our three kids. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Everyone needs something different. Everybody wants something different. And recognizing that is just an essential aspect of how we can function as a society, of course, uh, but to the more micro concerns of people trying to figure out uh, what it means for them to be self aware how do you help them with that
0: so part of it is dissecting what's happening to you at work and what's happening inside you mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. in your body where are you feeling what you 're feeling in, in mentally are you learning are you contributing uh, emotionally are you making connections with people or not even spiritually is what 're working on does it matter? does it matter to you or anybody mm-hmm. around you
2: mm-hmm. and
0: knowing just knowing that is already the first step
2: it 's a huge then step
0: not judging yourself, which is i 've got um, a wonderful older millennial uh, daughter who um, self-judges. So I'm sure I'm to blame for that, uh, for being one of the two parents, but uh, nonetheless...
1: You're, you're judging yourself right yeah. there, Joanna.
0: Uh, you're absolutely right, Stu. So <laughs> what do we work on? We work on saying, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I messed up. I made a mistake. I got a bad review. My review's not as good as the next person's review. Mm-hmm. What? What? It doesn't matter. What can I learn from that? So when you shift from blame to learning... From protection, I don't want to talk about it, to openness, because I might actually learn something or make a stronger connection. Now you're cooking with gas. This actually helps you get somewhere. I can't tell you where, but I can tell you that that's already better than sitting by yourself and, and uh, uh, turning inward, and mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. So learn to learn which means not just going to school, but it means some crap happened at work, then have a conversation. Help me understand. From your point of view, how did you see it? What could I have done better? What did I do in your mind that was good?
1: Oh, But then I'll appear weak, some might fear.
0: Ah, you only appear weak when you hold it all in and when you are in 100% protection mode. Then you are weak because now you're afraid to try anything new Mm -hmm. because you might fail. So. Carol uh, Dweck wrote the book Mindset, which I really love.
1: Yes, very talks important about that about growth mindset uh,
0: with children, but it works with twenty-five-year-olds. It works with sixty-year-olds. Mm-hmm. For goodness' sakes, that when we move out of learning into trying to be perfect, we just shut down.
1: So that's the is that the essential idea? The core is to be open to learning and to to take the the risk of vulnerability to actually become stronger by being open to uh, discovery about what went wrong and what could be better in the future?
0: Yes. In addition, uh, connection. Mm -hmm. Even the person who gave you the bad review or told you you effed up, that person is a connection.
1: You mean somebody told you you fucked up?
0: Yeah, there you go. We can't say that here. Okay, we can say that. That's (laughs) so cool. Okay. So... (laughs) I mean, there is a fuck-up that happens at work pretty much every week, right, Mm -hmm. and that you regret on Friday night when you go out with friends. And some of us go out to the bar and regret it for a very long time until we're no longer standing on our feet. That's not necessarily the best way to handle it. But Mm -hmm. actually going to the person and saying, okay, I get it, I did it, I'm not going to do that again, Mm -hmm. please. I hope you forgive me, but also I want to learn from you. You can create an even stronger connection, and that means you will learn faster, you will contribute more, and work will be a heck of a lot more fun.
1: And, of course, anybody can do this, right, Joanna? Yes. I mean, it's not well, like it's the exclusive have to start province with of... You some
0: ambition.
1: I'm sorry, say it again?
0: You have to start with some ambition. Hmm. If you have no ambition, you're probably not in business school, or you're not uh, trying to become a rising leader, or you're not a leader. If you have no ambition at all... Other than to bring that paycheck home and to keep your head down, you probably don't want to do all these things because it hmm. just means complexity and drama and growth.
1: It is more growth is painful.
0: Yeah, it's going to be painful. It's not always painful. It's also more exciting, frankly. It's more energizing, but it, it is—it's more work.
1: Hmm. So, what are the what are the questions that people? come to you most with when you're out there speaking? What, what is it that you hear most frequently from your clients and audiences? What, what's, what's the burning question out there?
0: The, the, uh, the biggest one is probably, should I stay or should I go? Hmm. Um, and I'd say the second biggest one is, uh, my boss is in my way, and I'm feeling blocked And I'm really angry and upset about that. So what
2: do
1: I do? All right. So if you're listening and you want to talk about this and you want to remain anonymous, you're certainly welcome to do that. You don't have to use your real name or tell us where you really work. Just call to ask for advice from one of the world's thought leaders on this question. The number is 844 Wharton, 844 844-942-7866. Are you pondering the question of should I stay or should I go? Uh, Which is, I'm sure, a reference to The Clash Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> right, uh,
1: and <laughs>
0: I would sing it, except I'm toneless.
1: <laughs> ah, well, maybe we can have our sound engineer Tatiana Zamis, get uh, the clashes. Should I stay or should I go to to get to get us going here in the second, the last part of our of our show, um, and the other, uh, you know, is your boss in your way? What what are you doing about that problem, or what can you do? Is that so? Those are two big ones that you hear a lot. Um, and if you've got if you're listening out there and you've got uh, that question
0: and then uh, as for a young person, another one yeah? which I love is nobody's sponsoring me so how do i I hear all about this? How do I go get
2: one?
1: okay so um, that's another one that you might want to call and ask for advice about the number again eight four four nine four two seven eight six six that's eight four four Wharton so what do you tell them about? First, stay or go. I think we t- we talked about some in the first part. What's the, what's the essential idea that people need to keep in mind? First that it's not a failure to leave if you're doing it consciously.
0: Right, and you need to do a real assessment of what are your what are your degrees of freedom at work and mm. what are you actually learning and what are you actually contributing? Mm. Because if the answer is I am learning, I just don't like it then it's a different decision path, then I'm not learning anything and I'm not even contributing very much.
1: So you got to ask that, that tough, no bullshit question, right? Is, yeah. this, is, is this a place where I am discovering new things about who I am and what I can be in the future? And am I making a difference here in a way that I feel good about?
0: I love the fact that some of the stories people waited and really good things happened to them. And in other stories, people waited and nothing happened. And so they quit. What,
1: what do you <laughs> love? What do you love about that? What did, well, that, what did that teach you?
0: There's no one answer, right? I'm, the mm. hallmark thing to do is to say, Susie, you just wait long enough and good things will happen to you. Well, the answer is not always. That's not always the case. No. And do I have to wait 10 years for something good to happen to me? I'm, I don't, I'm out of time. The mm. reason young people are out of time is they are living in a much more uncertain world where there is no job security. So you can't tell somebody that advice.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: They have to make the assessment, what's happening in my world, and am I putting myself into it, or am I just being triggered in this situation? Am I having a bad month?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, if you're, if you're listening out there and you have a question about should I stay or should I go, uh, am I growing or am I not the number again 844 uh, Wharton that's 8449427866 we've got Will calling from North Carolina Will welcome to work and life
3: Oh hey how you doing
1: I'm doing all right tell us what's uh what's your situation how can we help you
3: All right so um I'm in a situation where I'm I have the qualifications and experience to you know, pursue leadership roles. But at the same time I'm I'm in technology. So like um but I I keep running into situations where um where I'll get in a place and I'm doing the things that's necessary to get promoted and try to move, you know, even make lateral movements and things like that. But it's like I just feel like it's like like nobody's for one nobody's getting out the way and there's no opportunity hmm. to advance in leadership. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like, I was trying to find out, you know, what do you do when she says grow where you are? Like, I want to know, like, okay. you know, I wanted to expand on that.
1: All right. Well, Joanna, uh, yes. how can, wh- what so do you want to know more I, about from Will? That's
3: a fabulous question,
0: by the way. Mm-hmm. Fabulous question, because I don't know how well connected you are in your place of work. Not just with the colleagues on your own team, but on other teams that are um, in business and also at other levels. So how many levels up are you getting to know people? And do you have sponsors? So sponsors are different than mentors. If you have sponsors, you'll know it because these are people who will push you out of the plane to give you stretch opportunities at work, but they're also advocates for you. They're also, they want to help you navigate, and they want you to get to the top because they truly believe in you. It's very hard to do it without sponsors. So how
1: do you get them if you don't have them?
0: So if you don't have them. If
1: I can ask on Will's behalf.
0: Yeah, Will, you look one level up, so one or two levels up, depending on how big your company is. And you start to befriend people who have seen your work, who know you're a good guy, and who do believe in you. And you start by saying, hey, I'd like to get a cup of coffee and just think in general with you about you know, what skills I should be gaining, what experiences I should be gaining. I'm pretty excited about this company, and I'd like to get your take on all of this and love your advice. So people love to give advice. They also love to talk about themselves. So asking questions, how did you do it, really gets the other person going. And cultivating that over time so that Mm -hmm. people know where you're coming from, know what it is you'd like to accomplish, and what you want to contribute in that company, they'll help you navigate. Without that, it's like being in a forest.
1: What do you think, Will? Does this make sense to you? Is this something you can act on?
3: It makes a lot of sense, and that's something you know it, it's definitely um something that I haven't I can I haven't been doing at a high level I guess because I would be I guess I'm more concerned about like trying to do my job right and working yep. but you know to see yeah a spot yeah, that yeah that makes a lot of sense actually it makes a lot of sense.
1: And it doesn't have to take a lot of time and I would suggest and I think Joanna would agree with me that and tell me if I, if not Joanna that this is a part of your job yes you're, you're figuring out how you can make a better contribution in the future is something that your, com- your company, consciously or not, wants you to do.
0: Because you're not, you're not hanging out shooting the shit about uh, you know, the game. You're actually talking about the business and about the projects that you're all working all right. on together. So that's a really important part of your job, to have relationships with people, because in the future, when you get that next challenging project, uh, you'll know who to call. Because you'll know what all these people bring to the table,
1: and again, it's useful to keep the you know the focus, the initial focus, especially on here's you know here are some ideas that I have. How did you get to where you are? And these are the kinds of things that I'd like to contribute. So you're, as Joanne is saying, talking about your contribution and how you can learn more about how to make it. People, do, right? So I hope that you're able to pursue that well.
3: Yes, sir, I definitely am and I appreciate
1: you all's help. Well, all right. Thank you. Thanks for calling. The number right. again, uh, eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So Joanna, one of the things that is a, a constant focus on our show here is about work and the rest of life. How what, what are you discovering about how uh, young people, uh, young women especially, are thinking about that journal question these days and how they are construing their, their work in the context of their whole lives.
0: Yeah. Work and life, I've watched that come around, go around. First, there was work and life balance, and then there was work and life integration, which sounded like company propaganda to get you to realize that you know your life is work. And now there's uh, young people who say, wait a minute, I love the way I operated in college. I have seven days a week. Some of the time I'm doing what I need to be doing for my health Mm -hmm. or my avocations, and some of the time I'm doing what I need to be doing at work. And I really work best, by the way, at 10 o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to be doing a lot of that stuff at night, Um, which means that at 10 o'clock in the morning I'd really like to be doing something else. So there is this fluidity today that mm-hmm. young people want that companies are tentatively experimenting with. Mm-hmm. I've um, <clears throat> run into one incredible company, which is very small. It's a technology company called Automatic. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. <clears throat> They're the owners of WordPress, oh. which is a blogging uh, platform, mm-hmm. and they they are entirely re- remote. There are there are no offices in Automatic, and they have over 600 people around the world who work for them. Mm-hmm. So everybody's remote. By the way, that's not like everybody's paradise. Some people want to work in an office where they can be with well, people because get energy from it.
1: Joanna, um, it's interesting that you raise that because we have a caller here uh, who I think has got an issue related to just that Okay. so so hang on one second uh the number again uh is is 844 wharton that's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. this is work and life lauren uh calling from maryland uh tell us what is your situation how can we help
0: hi so i've been with my company for 13 years and um during that time, I actually finished my degree, and it's in a field of study that I'm actually not um, working in at the organization. Okay. And, and also during that time, we transitioned to work-from-home roles. Right. So I don't actually get that face-to-face camaraderie with some of the folks that are in the career path mm-hmm. on, the, you know, on the way up because I work from home now. So I'm trying to figure out what kind of suggestions you guys have. Okay. Or promoting your career forward when you work from home. And to make it a little bit more complicated, you're looking for a sort of field focus change within your organization.
1: Ah, okay. So, uh, Joanna, we only have like another minute and a half or so, so I'm going to have to ask you to keep it brief and and to the first point about how do do you deal with all this stuff working from home?
0: Yeah. So, Lauren, you're going to have to make uh, video dates with people you don't know to talk to them and get their advice uh because it's pretty hard to travel to wherever they're working from. Mhm. Right. And I think okay. you should reach out to the people who share the interests that you're most interested in that your new degree is in. And tell them, introduce yourself with your new degree and what you do at the company and ask if they could have 20 minutes to do a video chat with you so that you can learn from them.
1: Mhm. Mhm. What do you think, Lauren?
0: I think that's a great idea. Thanks for suggesting
1: it. All right. Uh, Thanks for calling Work and Life. Uh, Joanna, um, I want to turn to uh, another topic in our last minute or so here, just a question I'm I'm planning on asking all my guests this year. It's a resolution I made, and that is about the subject of compassion, which I would like Mm. to see a little bit more of in the world. Mm. Uh, And so I'm asking you, how do you, like I'm asking all my guests, how do you bring compassion into your work, and into your life?
0: What I do uh, is when I uh, talk to somebody who I'm irritated by, I'm upset with, I calm myself down and I think of them as a human being and I wonder what it's like to be them. Hmm. And instead of starting with uh, my problem, I start with curiosity about them. And often what I find is they're actually a really good person who is struggling with something that got in my way. Mm -hmm. But when I see it from their shoes, and the only way to do that, Stu, is to be literally silent as they talk Mm -hmm. so that they know I am hearing them. And I, I teach it, and now I practice three minutes of silence when I ask a question to somebody.
1: That wouldn't work on the radio. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: but try it in class. Ask each student to talk about mm -hmm. to the next student something that you really, really care about that's upsetting you right now. Mm -hmm. And have the other student literally listen for three minutes. No, you can't even go, ah, ah, ah. You can't, you know, like nothing. And what does that teach
1: you when you listen in silence?
0: What happens is you truly go inside that other person, and instead of listening from where you are, I have the answer to your question, you start to listen from where they are, and that's compassion and empathy.
1: And it it might spark in you uh, an idea, if you're really listening, for how you can help them, no?
0: Yes, that is right, and I also drop my anger or my frustration or my irritation Mm-hmm. Um, i pra- I try to practice this with my husband, with my children, with uh, people I work with uh, and sometimes total strangers
1: mm-hmm. hmm.
0: just because it 's a skill to to truly listen that deeply
1: well yes it, it takes it takes quite a bit of discipline thank you for for responding so wisely to my question. I really appreciate that, and thank you very much joanna for for being here this hour. Uh, Where can listeners go to learn more about your wonderful work?
0: Great. Well, they can go to joannabarsh.net, and they can uh, go to LinkedIn to find me, and they can go to Twitter to find me on occasion. Uh, But joannabarsh.net, I am uh, reconstituting it, but I want to carry stories there from the the stories that were not produced in the book, so Mm -hmm. new stories. Cool. And I think it would be fun to be part of this community and grow together.
1: Fantastic. Joanna Barsh, thank you so much for joining us on Work and Life.
0: You're welcome, Stu. Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, personally, for listening. Uh, if you have a question about something you heard on the show, you can email me, uh or our station, businessradio, at SiriusXM.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Stu Friedman. Thanks, Patty Hall. Well, Michelle Stucker, for sitting in for Patty Hall tonight, for producing and touch on his Amice, who is our music coordinator and sound engineer. I'm Stu Friedman, and you've been listening to Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. For more
0: insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.